It's the JT The Brick Show. They get the snap ball. Hand off Jacobs. Has the first down of the goal. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Raiders. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders bring a blitz. He is smothered and brought down. Max Crosby came around for the sack. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Snap to car in the shotgun. Back to pass. Climbs the pocket. Eyes downfield. Fires a strike to Devontae at the 25. Breaks away 20. 15, 10, 5. Dives. Touchdown, Raiders. And now, here's JT the Brick. Welcome back. Hour number two of Raider Nation Radio. Here we are brought to you by Resorts World. Head on out to Resorts World for not only football games, entertainment, also, all their locations, Red Tail Interactive Sports Bar there. We welcome in Resorts World, one of our proud partners, as we continue here in 2023. We're just covering one story today, DeMar Hamlin, who's in critical condition after suffering cardiac arrest. As that Bills and Bengals game was postponed, it will not be made up this week at all. Uh, the Buffalo Bills uh, put out two hours ago their last tweet, that DeMar Hamlin spent last night in the intensive care unit and remains there today in critical condition at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. We are grateful and thankful for the outpouring of support we have received thus far. That's really who I'm paying attention to. NFL media, as in the NFL, the Buffalo Bills, and what we're going to hear from this hospital in Cincinnati at UC Medical Center when they have a press conference. There's a lot of reporters outside that hospital that want some answers, want to know what's happening, just like if it was a non-sports-related injury and it was something else that was a well-known name. We'll find out when those doctors are comfortable talking and giving us an update there. But the Bills, the Hamlin family put out a beautiful, please keep sending prayers. We will release updates as soon as we have them. And I think also the Hamlin family is imperative here to get out information to us when they deem it's necessary. What's your thoughts on everything that happened? 702-365-9200. Lou in Anaheim. Lou, let me get you up before Jason. How are you? JT, I wanted to say that uh, we were salivating over this game, uh, even from, from before this weekend. And uh, while, we, while we were watching the game, my wife asked me, uh, now that they stopped the game, are the fans getting their money back? I said, I don't know, because we didn't know what was going on. But I look at the Cincinnati fans in a different way. I have that much more respect for them. I was I was wondering if they were going to start throwing stuff on the field or, or rioting uh, because of the magnitude of the game. But I, I, I think that uh, that's an example of how fans around the country should behave if something like this happens again. Yeah, that's a great point. I appreciate the call. Thank you, Lou. I think that's the example of dignity and grace on how the Cincinnati fans, I think every fan base would have done the same thing. Everything. I always go back, different scenarios, different situations, you know, trying to compare this. You can't compare this to anything, but I've been on the sidelines for serious spinal cord threats of injury where gentlemen have been taken off the field and putting their thumbs up or not. I've been there for that, and I've seen the drama behind players taking a knee and saying, you know, giving their best to that player. I was there when Derek Carr broke his leg. Nowhere near anything similar to critical condition after cardiac arrest. But I remember walking out of the Derek Carr broken leg game back to the air bar, to the airport. You couldn't hear a pin drop because of an injury to a bone. We're talking something much more serious here. So those fans are the only ones who know what it was like. I mean, I was on the radio live during it. I shared that. 
I shared that story. I'm in the business of sharing stories, so I know what that felt like to be on the radio. I know what it's like to be at football games almost every week and see injuries. I have a lot of experience in that, but only the fans and the medical staff and the players who were in that building last night in Cincinnati know what that trauma felt like. I'm talking to every fan there, to every coach, the players who are breaking down emotionally and spiritually and what was happening after that. Those people in the building last night have a bond that will keep them together the rest of their lives. Jason Horowitz joins us, voice of the Raiders. And, Jason, let me get your reaction to what happened last night in real time when you saw it to DeMar Hamlin and just how unfortunate that situation was as it evolved later into the evening. So a couple of different things. Um, That fan base over the last, well, this year alone, but over the last few years, that's the same field that happened to Ryan Shazier with the Steelers. Um, that's the same field where Tua Tungavailoa, we all watched that happen this year with the concussion where he was um, where he couldn't move. And that's the same field where last night they had to uh, revive Demar Hamlin and had the defibrillator and and all of that. So that so that city, that fan base, that that stadium um, recently has seen some some major major things. Um, JT, I wasn't watching the game at that particular moment. I had just put the kids to bed, and I got an alert on my phone from uh, my New York Times app that said Monday Night Football suspended while player uh, received CPR on the field. And I was like, whoa. Uh, So my wife and I were watching it, and at that point they still hadn't postponed it yet. And at that point people were asking, why is it taking you so long? Why is it taking so long and all of that? I um. You know, JT, I've always had an issue, uh, and I actually have had this issue when, when my, my children, when we go to football games, when they ask the question, why do we applaud players uh, when they're being carted off, when major injuries happen? You know, what are we applauding? And, 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 and the answer to that is, obviously, for football, and we, we crave football, and we love it, and it's so violent, and, and all the things we do appreciate about it, the mentality of next man up uh, that, that all these players have always lived by and fight through, and you know the best availability, the best ability is availability, and all those things. You know they're used to that when it comes to bones, ACLs. They're even willing, at to some extent, to work through that with head injuries. That that doesn't go into seeing someone with a defibrillator and their heart being revitalized. Um, and so, to your point, nobody's used to that, at least from the NFL perspective. I know that there was a death on the field 50 years ago uh, in Detroit between the Lions and the Bears, but most people don't know that. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it's one of those things that, um, you know, you just you just don't know what to do, and I'm very happy whether it was the coaches and the players who said we're not playing or if, in fact, the league made the decision itself. I don't know what to believe there. But we should all be happy they did not play the rest of that team that night. Jason Horowitz is our guest. You know, I was telling everybody before you came on in the first hour, as I was live on the air on Sirius XM, I had the feed in my ear of Kevin Harlan and Kurt Warner, and I had Joe Buck and Troy on TV in front of me. And you do the same thing they do for a living. You're a play-by-play voice. Yeah. And I was getting the feed and hearing on the radio side that, that it was a cardiac situation when they weren't reporting it. And they were going back to Schefter, and he wasn't there, so he wasn't going to get a source right at that moment saying that it was a cardiac situation. That's what was interesting real time. And it could happen to you and it could happen to you down the road when you're looking for information and you're a broadcaster and you just don't have it. And you have to let the story play out in front of you, but get the viewers and the listeners, the information they critically need to know 
Last night was a big night. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody who was in that building. I thought they did a good job considering the circumstances. Oh, I oh no question. Um, and and the emotion, the pain. Um, you described the bond that everyone in that building has by looking at it and seeing it. There are things that we did not see on TV mm-hmm. uh, that they will all have seen, whether it was you know people next to them in the stands crying or praying or whatever it might be. Um, you know, they have all of that that they have in, in their memories. I, JT, I've been on the air um, with some major life events in the last 10 years. I was on the air when um, the shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary happened, and I was doing a sports show, but that's, at that moment was, you know, more than 30 elementary school, uh, elementary school kids murdered. Um, and I was doing an NFL show, and, and, and we, I, that, that was going on. Uh, I was on the air when Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter crash. Uh, I was on the air when world shut down uh, during COVID and we were doing the Patriot League tournament championship game and, and um, you know, Rudy Gobert test positive, Tom Hanks test positive, and then we all know what happened after that. So I, 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 you're never prepared for those things, but as long as you have the humanity and the understanding and the big picture of, hey, you report what is real, what is accurate, what what is in front of you, what is being told to you. Um, you're not speculating the same way we don't speculate on injuries you, because cause that, those people are people, real people, humans with all these other things. And I, I, I do think we lose sight of that. I know that's been said in the last 18 to 20 hours, you know, that we, we, we just think of next man up with football players and we think of them with jerseys and numbers. And yeah, they got a name on it, but you always have to keep in mind that there, that is a human being in all of these situations and there needs to be humanity delivered with all of it. Absolutely. Jason Horowitz is our guest voice of the Raiders and family. I always think the family needs to be alerted first. The mom was in the building. She needs to be taken care of. She needs to yep. be, she needs to be the one everybody's thinking about. Ian Rappaport reporting out of respect to DeMar Hamlin, the pro football hall of fame and the NFL network have postponed the announcement of the 15 modern era player finalists tonight for the Hall's class of 2023. Yeah. That's what's scheduled for 8 p.m. tonight. There's not a lot of media out there. Why we have you the rest of the way and we handle this in, in the right way, I want to get into some Raiders talk with you because there's another game you called at Allegiant, which was almost a classic. And when the Raiders got the ball in overtime, I was with Ray Brewer, who produces with me. We, we made the walk from you over there. And I said when the Raiders won the toss and they had the ball and they picked up their first first down, we're going to win this. They got yeah. the ball and they scored all day. So it wasn't like they had 17 points and it was overtime or 10. I'm saying they put on a clinic. It's the first 350-yard performance of the year. And it's by Jared Stidham for a Raider quarterback. He's got a rhythm and all his weapons are out there. And then that unfortunate interception. So take us through how we got to overtime, some of the big picture from the game, and what you saw in overtime as the Raiders could have stole one at home. So you saw a wonderful first performance. By a fourth-year pro, who, if you think back to his career arc, this was, and again, different recruiting services are, you know, use different things. But Jarrett Stidham was the number one dual-threat quarterback coming out of high school when he originally signed at Baylor. Um, he transferred to Auburn when the Art Briles situation happened. He was successful under Gus Malzahn at Auburn. Uh, and he was a fourth-round pick. 
who sat behind Tom Brady and then watched the Patriots pick Mac Jones. So, you know, he also had back surgery. So he, he's had all of this. And I think Tashawn Reed of The Athletic wrote the article about the fact that he used to be the man until he wasn't, and he learned from it. And on Sunday, he was the man. And they lost, and he's going to have to learn from that too. Um, but the offense moved up and down the field. 500 yards of offense, and it wasn't, you know, Devontae is, is, is just, it's, it's unworldly what that guy can do. <laughs> yes. Um, but, but Jarrett still had to put the ball in places where Devontae could go get it. The touchdown at the end of the second quarter was a perfect throw. The throw at the end of uh, the fourth quarter that allowed the Raiders to get in position to tie the game. Devontae made an unbelievable catch, but it was in a position where it was, quote-unquote, catchable. Um, the ball that Jarrett delivered uh, to, to, to go up by 10 points when he just got absolutely drilled by Hufanga was incredible. And, and so, look, it's one start. Who knows what's going to happen this week against Kansas City? Uh, who knows what the Raiders' front office is going to do in the offseason? My assumption is he'll be brought back some way, shape, or form. Because remember, he is a free agent as well. But he put on a clinic, and the offense moved the ball. At what I, we have seen the offense move the ball all year at, at times, right, whether it's for a whole first half or a second half. Yes, they have scored that many points before, but it wasn't with consistency throughout a game that they moved the ball. They moved the ball consistently on the best defense in the NFL, and that's something to take away from. Jason Horowitz, as we wrap it up, voice of the silver and black. So the one negative continues to be the negative. It's either the pre-snap penalties or the middle of the field being wide open. We talked about that on defense. And now we're at a point where I'm not going to talk about it anymore because Kansas City's coming in with Travis Kelsey. No player, yeah, no player that I've ever seen, and I mean ever. LaDainian Tomlinson's near the top of the list, Antonio Gates. I've seen other great players too, especially Tyreek Hill. It's either Tyreek Hill or Kelsey, but Kelsey's the one we all believe there should be a plan, and there's never been a plan to slow him down. So I'm not going to sit here and preach for the next two or three shows before the season ends about the middle of the field. I just know it's got to be fixed, and I don't know if this sure. defensive coordinator is the guy to do it. I assume he can if he has better players. We've seen everyone try to play defense on this team, from the practice squad to the backups to the starters coming back from injury, and we've seen it all. Now all we have to see going forward is what the plan will be in the offseason, and the only plan I see, Jason, is multiple new players brought in at every yeah. position. D-line, linebackers, and in the secondary, that's the only way it could be fixed with better players. How do you see it? Well, well, remember something, too, when you come into this season, on particularly on the defensive side of the ball, and Dave Ziegler has talked about this, and Josh McDaniels, you know, they had 30, what, eight guys under contract? Mm -hmm. That You know, that's a whole roster that they had to build um, just just for the preseason. And if you look up and down that roster right now, based off of the contracts they have or the guys who are in the fourth year of their rookie deals, um, they're going to have to decide what to do with a lot of them. You know, Rock Yassine, who's going to finish the year on IR, they mm -hmm. make the trade with Yannick Ngakwe, and I thought at times this year he played well. Yep. And he's not your middle-of-the-field, you know, question mark that you're talking about. But is he back? Uh, Denzel Perriman is a free agent. Uh, a bunch of the guys on the defensive line signed one-year contracts. What do they do there? You can't. I mean, you can't just have an entire new. I guess you could, uh, but but that makes it difficult to have an entire new roster if you're going to try and bring a new system and all that stuff as well. So, uh, look, I do think you're going to have a few new guys, uh, and mm -hmm. I think the I would assume that your entire draft, uh, and we'll find out how high they draft depending on what happens this weekend, but, you know, somewhere top six, top seven, whatever it winds up being, 
I, I think you're, it's safe to assume that you're talking uh, front seven and, and offensive line. Uh, and mm-hmm. because the skill spots are at least going into the offseason are wrapped up in contracts. They're wrapped up in lots of long-term money, Josh Jacobs notwithstanding. Um, so, so I think you assume going into this year that if this team is going to be built uh, in the process and the, the way that Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler have talked about what they think is a long-term deal, that's got to be from the inside out. And so I think you're thinking front seven on defense, and you're thinking offensive line to try and help whoever that quarterback is for next year. Last question. It's an important one because it's not it's appropriate today, but I'm I'm choosing not to go heavy on it. But if the Raiders beat Kansas City and the way Stidham played, that could happen. Then Buffalo and Cincinnati means everything on a makeup right. game because it's from the one seed to the three seed. That's huge when it comes to playoff positioning in the Super Bowl. So the Raiders' name is involved in this from a scheduling purpose because yeah. it was flexed to Saturday. What did you think when you got the news of the Saturday flex? Uh, well, my first thought was that I was going to miss my son's hockey on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and so that, that was my first thought. Uh, but, but when we were in the booth uh, before the game, I thought that it could be flexed. Because, again, to your point about who was playing on Monday Night Football, because of the fact that they were playing on Monday Night Football, those two teams couldn't be flexed this Saturday. So they were going to be, you know, the bill, uh, the uh, Bills and the Bengals, uh, before everything that happened last night, they were going to be involved in a game on Monday. So you couldn't ask them to go play on five days rest for a game that might mean everything for the playoffs. So you knew that going in, that those weren't going to be asked. So you had to find, a, uh, you know, games that had meaningful playoff outcomes with big marquee brands. And so, yeah, there was a strong possibility that we knew ahead of time, I thought anyway, mm-hmm. that we were going to play Saturday. Uh, so I was kind of prepared for that part of it. Um, I, you know, to your point about the Bills and the, and the Bengals, JT, and, you know, the NFL came out today and said that they're not, they're not going to replay that this week. I, I don't know what that means in terms of how they could replay that. Unless the only, the only way that that changes things for the um, – for, for, for the schedule and the one seed and all of that stuff uh, is if the Pro Bowl goes away and they push everything back a week, right? And the Super Bowl in Arizona is the same time and you figure out a way, if they think that they need to, play the Bengals, Bills, the week after week 18, figure out seeding, and then go from there. And frankly, it, you know, yes, in the big picture of the NFL season, it matters. There's not going to be anybody today that tells you that game matters, um, you know, and, and, and so we'll, we'll figure that out and they're going to have to decide what to do. And yeah, there is a time that they're actually going to have to decide what to do about it. DeMar Hamlin's still in critical condition without a word of what to do. So nobody knows what to do. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's a hard thing. Yeah. It's a reality of what we're dealing with now. Uh, safe travels. We'll see you at the stadium on Saturday. Appreciate you. Looking forward to it as always, bud. You got it. There he is, Jason Horowitz, the voice of the Raiders. Appreciate his commentary on this. And uh, there's more and more coaches speaking around. I'm sure Josh McDaniels, when he has the opportunity to meet with the media, will be discussing this. Everyone is discussing this today. So, again, we like to get into a grid. We like to have guests. We like to be kind of – we like to plan the show. So we know what day Vic Tafer's Friday, Paul Gutierrez Tuesday, Jason Tuesday. You know how we do it here. We scrubbed everything other than Jason. He wanted to, he was comfortable talking about this. Get into the game. We'll get back into our grid tomorrow with the guys that we have. And then we'll try to get some analysis in on Kansas City and the importance of the Raiders winning and going into the offseason with the win. 
For those who are saying don't win because the draft pick will only get worse, I don't get that. I don't, I don't ever want to get that. I never do. If that ever seeps into my DNA, I'm finished. Walk away. I want them to win every game. I could care less. We don't know who these kids are when they're going to be drafted unless you have the number one pick, and I wouldn't even tank for the number one pick. That's just me. So the Raiders got a game to play and to go out. They almost beat the Niners. I'm not into moral victories, but they played well. Jared Stidham threw for 350 yards. There's still a lot of meat on the bone with Derek Carr. Okay, Derek Carr played here for nine seasons. We don't just go away and forget about him. There's still some more Derek content. Boomer Esiason made some interesting comments that I don't want to play today. I'll play tomorrow. Uh, we heard a couple other people talk about Derek, including his brother. And family should stick together. I have no problem with what you know David Carr wants to say about his brother. They're blood. They're related. You know, brothers stick up for each other. Fine with that. And we've taken the high road with Derek because we know what a great human being he is. Jared Stidham played well. A lot of guys are hurt. And the other big topic is, do you bring guys back for the last game of the year if they're banged up? Or do you let them start the offseason because you don't want them to be hurt in the offseason when you want to evaluate them for their position going forward? We all knew this from a while ago from talking to Dave Ziegler. They are deconstructing this roster and evaluating people every day. So is Mike Mayock. Mike Mayock told me a number of times, everyone's position is open to discussion. They were evaluating Derek every game too. But the Derek road looks like it's come to an end. Jared Stidham's looks to be, Jared Stidham, that he could compete for the number one job here. If he does, I don't know if that's the right thing to do. If you can get Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson or a top two pick in the draft. If you can get one of the top two picks in the draft, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, I'll go pick him up at the airport. I got my son. He's home with the Tahoe. I got room. I can pick up his family and go get him if you want to go move your draft picks to get him. I have no idea what they're going to do. But we have a lot of Raiders content that we prepared for the rest of the week. When we come back, more on DeMar Hamlin. I'd like to know from you how that play affected you last night as a sports fan, as an NFL fan, as a Raider fan. And we have more than Raider fans just listening here. And what, not so much what should happen next, but from an NFL perspective with the noise that you heard on Twitter, with the media coverage of it, let's open up the window right now. And how do you think that was presented last night? Was it good? Was it bad? Was it ugly? You good with it? 702-365-9200. And I've seen the play, but I don't know exactly what happened. My thoughts and, and super prayers goes up to the skies above for that kid's family, for him, for you know that brotherhood of the NFL and everybody a part of the NFL family. It's definitely the right call by either whoever made that call, Roger Goodell, or whoever had an opportunity, to, the authority to make that call to suspend that. Uh, the safety of our of players in, in all sports is always the most important. So you know, it's a, it was a terrible thing to see, and I wish uh, um, you know nothing but the best for that kid. Um, uh, for the city of Buffalo, for the franchise of the Bills, um, and like I said, for the rest of the NFL too as well, and also the Bengals that was there, um, and, you know, playing in that game. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the NFL. I'm a huge fan of football. And, you know, you, you never want to see anything like that happen, um, even in that, the type of competition that they're playing in. 
That's LeBron James. He said the right things last night. JT, back with you. We appreciate everyone at our partnership of Remy Martin Team Up for Excellence. As we're into the new year, happy new year. Uh, no one expects to host a show like this today as we're keeping an eye on DeMar Hamlin and waiting for a press conference at some point from Cincinnati's UC Medical Center. Uh, that happens all the time in life. There's a press conference when a you know, high-profile person gets injured. Usually the doctors, after they stabilize the person, come down into the lobby, come outside, and give a press conference about the stability of that player. I'm assuming that's going to happen, but there's a lot of people on the phone with this one. The union, the commissioner, everybody, the Bills organization, and a couple of the Bills players. I don't have the list of the Bills players that stayed back, Stefan Diggs got to the hospital last night. They wouldn't let him in. He said, I need to be with my teammate. They let him in. So, you know, then the buses rolled out, and they got on the plane to go to Buffalo, which what's happened in Cincinnati, Tua got concussed there. This is much more serious. They've had incidences there, and Buffalo left. And I thought that we knew. We had all these kind of clues last night that they weren't going to play the game. We understood why. They weren't going to play the game. Come on. Everybody should have been able to figure that out. But then when they postponed the game and canceled the game, what was interesting to me is Buffalo left to go back. And it's a short flight, very short to get from Cleveland, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, back to Buffalo. And then when they went back, I was a little bit surprised because I thought that they would just stay there. It was traumatic. And you get a different team hotel of the same one you go back to, and you just calm down, you have a team meal, everybody prays, and you you do that. But they want to go home. They want to go back to Buffalo. I'm not sure why. But clearly they knew that they, they, they figured out that they weren't going to play this week. They realized before anybody, when those buses left Cincinnati Stadium, we all knew right at that moment, no game this week. Because they got a game coming up, the Bills with the Patriots, on Sunday. It's already Tuesday. So they moved this game back. I think they need to play this game. They do, and they have a lot of time to play it. But they'd have to get rid of the bye week, as Jason mentioned, the Pro Bowl, whatever they're going to do. I believe this game is that important after this young man recovers, and I'm praying that he does, so I'm trying to be positive with this. That's a game you have to play. I just think you do. It's not a team that's 4-12 and 12 and you have to get it in. You can just say it. This is for home field. And all these teams fought for home field and put their players in danger for home field, right? Everybody puts their life on the line every play, and we're seeing what happens when, when it goes the wrong way with DeMar Hamlin. So I think they're going to play, and if they don't, don't play. And I'll go on the radio and say, hey, man, they didn't play. This is what they're doing. This is the one, two, three seed. Let's get back to football. 702-365-9200. Uh, Raider man, checking in. Always appreciate your opinion, my friend. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Hey, Happy New Year, JT, man. I had to check in because uh, the situation with uh, the brother DeMar Hamlin that went down last night, that was high impact on me. You know, it's pointless to talk about myself, but, I mean, you know my history with that. Chest injuries are nothing to play with, and some are a lot more severe than others. And uh, I'm just praying, you know, sending shouts and prayers out to his family, and I'm praying with him for this, this young man. You know, and it personifies something for me because uh, I heard in the beginning of your show you was asking, like, you know, where were you when, you know, when this situation happened? Well, you know, I'm sitting here at home, blessed, alive, thanking God for life after everything I've seen to this point in this lifetime. And I just celebrated my 50th birthday uh, on January 1st. I was supposed to be out there in Vegas, but had other situations going on. You know, water heater decided to kill over on me on Christmas Eve. So I just couldn't see it. Me leaving my wife and my daughter here in this house with no, no heat, no, I mean, no, no hot water and that kind of stuff. But, you know, I'm, I'm grateful, you know, because 
it could be so things could be so much worse. And and I just wanted to kind of take a second to, because you know people in this day and age, my wife and I, we're sitting up and we in this. I'm I'm in the Super Bowl, fantasy Super Bowl, whatever. I'm favored to win and all the rest of this crap. You know what I mean? I got Joe Burrow. My opponent's got the kicker. My wife, ironically, had T. Higgins. And while we watching this game, as soon as that play happened, you know, she was studying to be a nurse. She immediately started kind of, I don't know, for lack of a better term, freaking out. You know, we were both very highly concerned, but watching that thing and to see just how much that the people, those first responders had to put into just saving that man's life. And, you know, it's life on life terms out there. People forget that. You know, we play these little pseudo bosses. You know, I like to consider myself a GM when I'm playing my little BS, you know, fantasy football team or whatever. And, yeah, I'm in my fantasy championship. But that personified just how little any of that crap means. None of it means anything, man. I mean, you know, it's like we get all riled up about this stuff and it's a game on top of everything else. These are human beings out here. And they're sacrificing so much for us and just entertainment. You know, we always, you know, celebrate the, the first responders. We always salute the, the the service people, and we should, the veterans and whatnot. But we don't honestly respect these people that's going there putting their lives on the line for us and our entertainment. And I just wanted to take a second and just kind of pull back because with everything that's going on, man, it's still life, and we got to be able to learn how to treat each other better. we got to learn how to live together again. And uh, this maybe it's an opportunity that God given us to really just dig on ourselves and realize that, Maybe this really ain't all that damn important. Maybe we should really start thinking about each other. I appreciate the time. I didn't want to take it, you know, off mm-hmm. off off kilter, but I just wanted to just take a step back and realize that, you know, people's supposed to mean everything to other people. And I mean, you know how I am. I'm all over sentimental about everything, but I don't tell people I love them on accident. I never say it for for play. We gotta learn how to love on each other again. I'm just hoping that the world take a step back and realize that, you know, this this world is much bigger than our entertainment. Yes. God bless you. Appreciate it. Good to hear from you later, man. Happy New Year. Again, a lot of these phone calls coming in to start off the new year, not the phone calls we expected. You know, a couple of days ago coming into the new year, we didn't take off New Year's Day, and we wouldn't be take off this week. We got a Raider game this week, but not the story that anyone would ever expect. And it's the story here that's important for us to discuss as a family on the radio. And DeMar Hamlin is in everyone's thoughts today. Very proud to work on this station was talking to Q about it before the show began. We knew what we were doing today. We knew what we were doing today. And there's going to be days where I'm not going to be talking Raiders. I'm going to be talking breaking news and something's going to happen. It could be the AFC championship game. And we're going to cover football. We're covering football on a flagship station of the NFL. And this is a massive football story. It's like the whole league shut down today. I mean, the whole league is shut down. There's nothing out there. Everybody's just focused on the Buffalo Bills. So from all the tweets that I received and people wanting to comment on what happened with Skip Bayless, I'm doing a podcast with Looney. He's my 14-year partner on the radio. And, you know, one of the things I said, and I, I, I exaggerate, but I never lie. I never lie on the radio, but I exaggerate. And I said going into the holidays, the one thing I wanted to do less of in the new year was Twitter. It's just garbage. It really is. I mean, I tweet out the lineup every day. I tweet, uh, a guy hits a game-winning three. Wow, that was great. I'm on the couch. Look at that three. But in general, there's no upside to it. There's none. But the upside was yesterday when you saw all the prayer emojis because people need to talk when they're alone. When people are alone and they have Twitter in their phone, they can send something out, and it shows instantly how they're feeling. So people praying for DeMar Hamlin. People are retweeting his GoFundMe. That's the positive side of Twitter. 
But what Skip Bayless did in real time, the thing that got me going the most in real time was that the kid was trying to be saved from dying on the field. That's what triggered me. Wasn't the fact that it was a day later and he said something stupid. He says something stupid every day because that's what he has to do to stay relevant. So when he did that in real time, and I knew that the kid was getting worked on because I had the leaked, I had the info in my ear, so I knew from the Westwood One feed that they were doing cardiac and they were trying to save his life with CPR, and the ambulance is still on the field, and Skip is tweeting about this. Wow. I mean, I'm just saying that this, is this to me, is cause for termination because he's part of an NFL partnership. Fox has the Super Bowl this year. So, you know, everybody could look at Fox and go, what are you doing? I mean, this kid could have died on the field, and we got to clean this up. And he has a massive following. So I wake up today, and I literally don't watch his show. I don't. I watch Stephen A. because he's a friend of mine. Stephen A's done a lot for me, and I've done a lot for him. That's why we're friends. Back in the day when no one really cared about that, just me and Stephen A. And I hit DVR last night because I wanted to hear his fraudulent BS garbage apology. And as you listen to this, fake crying, fake breathing. Shannon Sharp didn't show up for work today, which was the greatest thing. I love Shannon Sharp. Uh, he's a great guy. He's a, a, a tremendous entrepreneur. You have no idea what Shannon Sharp is worth and his impact. It's like top of the food chain. It's like Messi and Ronaldo when it comes to America. He really moves the needle. And I thought Skip took a cheap shot at Shannon when they were talking about Brady a couple of weeks ago. Remember that when Shannon lost his mind because Skip didn't show any respect to him? So I wanted to see Skip Bayless today cringe because he can't do what I do. I can host the show with no teleprompter, no notes, blindfolded, and just talk. He can't. He needed the teleprompter. And this was all an act today as he gave this garbage apology to kick off his show. Jen, allow me to say up front that... I apologize for what we're going to set out to do here today if it offends anyone because we're, we're going to try to do the show pretty much as we usually do the show. But I'll admit up front, I'm still shook up by what happened last night to DeMar Hamlin. In fact, I'm still wrecked. In fact, I'm not sure I'm capable of doing this show today. But after barely sleeping on it, I decided to give it a try. Maybe I'll fail. Maybe we will fail. But we're going to try. We wrestled through much of the night whether to even do a show today because it felt like, in our minds, we almost can't win with this because the last thing we want to try to do is come off as insensitive to what this young man is going through in a life or death situation. The last thing we want to do is offend anyone by trying to do what we always do, which is talk about sports. As this show goes on, we're going to try to talk about a little bit of sports but we're going to continue to talk about what happened to this young man last night and try to sort back through it with help from you and the audience. And we ask you now, if you'd like to tweet us your emotions of the night and of this morning about what happened to DeMar Hamlin, please do so. You can tweet us at at undisputed, at undisputed, and I will be sharing 
some of your tweets and your emotions as we share our experience of last night through this very difficult morning for all of us. Obviously, my partner Shannon Sharp is not here today. I look forward to seeing him tomorrow. What a gutless fraud. What a pathetic, gutless human being fraud. Sound courtesy of FS1. He wanted to give it a try? He wanted to give that fake debate show a try? You know who gave it a try last night? The paramedics and the doctors gave it a try to save a kid's life, and so far it looks like they have. They gave it a try. Going into an air-conditioned studio on the Fox lot to read off a teleprompter and pretend to be angry at someone across you is not a try. It's a scam. It's a fraud that this guy's pulled off. He said, quote, the last thing I want to do is come off insensitive. He had the balls to say that after the most insensitive tweet you can see as they were working on a kid who was undergoing CPR because he was in cardiac arrest. And he had the gall to come on his show with a fake apology with makeup and sniffles and little light coughs like he was affected by this. He had the balls to say the last thing we want to do is offend anyone after he offended everyone last night and everybody came after him. And then finally, the most amazing thing, I can't believe this guy has bosses, executives above them who can go home to their wives or husbands and partners and look him in the eye when he said he'd read tweets. So I stuck around for that. That was the hook to even watching 10 minutes of this garbage. And what happened at that moment, they were feeding him tweets that were saying, great job, Skip. You're a hero for coming in today. And Skip was reading the tweets that were manufactured by his staff on Twitter, handed to him, and saying, I'm with you, brother. I'm with you. It's beautiful. I agree. I was praying for him last night. This is an amazing moment in the history of sports media. No matter where you are today, mark it down on your calendar. Media change today on this day. January 3rd, 2023. In the last 24 hours, they reminded us, all of us, that we are fools. That you will watch anything. You will buy into this garbage. You've been hooked to your cell phone, your Twitter, reality television like it's the Kardashians. You've been hooked. And they know you've been hooked. And you need this like oxygen. The goal of this man to do this today I want to congratulate Shannon Sharp for going nowhere near that building. I don't know what happened. I don't know what was said. I don't care. The fact that Shannon Sharp did not go to that building earlier this morning and sit down with that creep, with that pathetic piece of garbage who had to look his staff in the eye as they all think, and I know this, that he's a piece of garbage, and go through this charade and low-level acting class and to try to pull this off is incredible to me. It's a really big moment in media because if someone doesn't stop this, I don't know what it's going to look like again down the road. If you are a young, young man or a young woman getting into our industry now, I feel sorry for you. I don't know how you're going to do it. I would recommend getting into documentary work, get into play-by-play, get into commentary. Don't get into this garbage. Don't get into this field. Don't try to copy guys like Skip Bayless who are pretending to be sympathetic after they 
put up for the world to see that they have no empathy and no feelings. And he was forced to go in there. He was forced to go in there and clean that up. And Shannon Sharp did not go in that building today to watch that guy melt, sit on a stage. And my biggest takeaway from all of it is he couldn't do the show. He was exposed today because he needs a partner. He needs a moderator. He needs someone. He can't do what I'm doing now. He just can't talk. He can't. So what he does is he needs someone to pretend that he's mad at him, and he'll pretend back that he's mad at him, and they'll have a fake little argument. Then they'll go to commercial, and the makeup gal and guy will come in and pat the makeup on and go, keep going, keep going. It's all pretend. And he was exposed again. Fox is a broadcast partner of the NFL. They should push hard to get him off the air. And I've never gone there before. And the reason I'm going there today is because I think you've been duped. Our audience on all the platforms I have, which are nowhere near the size of Skip Bayless's platforms, but I have the integrity to at least call this out. This, to me, was such a despicable moment by such a bad guy who's pretending to be a good guy. There's no redemption in this for him. And for those who think, oh, get over it, it's not a big deal, censorship, the right to all that. No, there's decency. There's decency. And you're not guaranteed your job by decent people. Decent people can take you off the air any day if you give them the reason to take you off the air. Your reaction to that, 702-365-9200. You know, it's such an upbeat show today, praying for this kid, Damar Hamlin, at 24 years old. But I had to fit that in at some point because it's got to end. Stop rewarding the clickbait. Stop rewarding the mean people who have no empathy and are despicable. Stop giving them your attention. Well, JT, why'd you just do this? Because I needed to drop the hammer. I needed to come in with the hammer because I have an opportunity to do that. We'll wrap it up next. Knights into the zone. Stevenson bumped as he came across the line with a puck. Stone a drop back. He shoots and scores! Mike Amadio buzzing through the crease. Got a piece. And the Knights tie it 1-1. What a sequence with three minutes to go in the first period. That was another great win for the Golden Knights. JT back with you. The flagship's in our building here of Golden Knights Radio, and they beat Colorado after I was in the house on New Year's Eve day, and they beat Nashville. Those are good teams and good wins there, beating the reigning Stanley Cup champs as they continue on here. I'm expecting big things for this team, really big things. So as we wrap up the show, I appreciate everybody who tuned in today and had kind words to say about the injured player, DeMar Hamlin, who went through a lot of trauma last night. There aren't many updates now. We're just waiting. I think what you should do is follow the Buffalo Bills. Just click follow, like you follow the Raiders or any other team. Uh, Find out, again, you don't have to follow the UC Medical Center in Cincinnati, but I think they'll have the next big report in the NFL. The NFL will put out more statements because they'll have the news first along with the union and what's going on with the player and his safety going forward. The rest of the gentlemen who are involved in all of this today are pretty much taking a step back. And a lot of NFL teams and NFL media have kind of just stepped aside today as a sign of respect for the Buffalo Bills and what they're going through. So I think over the next couple of days, we're going to try to figure out what happens with the schedule and what decision they're going to make. Make it a no contest. 
don't make up the game. Because remember, we've gone through some critical storylines in football with scheduling in our lifetime, depending on how old you are. I know COVID. COVID was a big deal. It wasn't an individual player. It was a league-wide situation. 9-11, I was with the Raiders on 9-11 when they pushed back a week. 9-11 and didn't play a week and then went right back to playing football. And what's going to happen here with DeMar Hamlin? which I think the league is going to get back to playing football. They're not going to cancel the games this weekend for all these teams in other markets, but it comes back to the Bills having to get ready for their game and Cincinnati. You know, from a scheduling perspective, for months if you've been listening, and I appreciate it, is that I thought the two biggest races in sports in the NFL was going to be Kansas City and Buffalo. I had Buffalo winning and winning the Super Bowl. thought it was going to come down, and, can- and Buffalo has the tiebreaker over Kansas City. So for about a month, we knew that neither Buffalo or Kansas City could lose because whoever lost was going to lose the one seed. But then Cincinnati came flying in out of nowhere, and Cincinnati started beating everybody, and they played Kansas City tougher than anyone, and and they're involved. And if they would have beat Buffalo last night and the Raiders would have beat Kansas City, Cincinnati's the one seed, and Buffalo drops down, and Kansas City stays in that spot as the three. That's significant. So Buffalo, Kansas City, and Cincinnati all are being slotted one, two, or three. It's a massive story. The other big story was the NFC two seed because I never thought that Philadelphia was going to be caught when they got off to that record. They're they're just going to be run away and hide, but they're playing their worst football now because of the Jalen Hurts injury. So I thought for a month that the race to the two seed between Minnesota and San Francisco would be critical. And after seeing San Francisco, and remember, the Niners did not play a great game. They had the number one defense. The Raiders ripped them up for 500 yards. I saw that with my own two eyes in the building. I still respect San Francisco. But after the fraud of Minnesota and how many bad leads they've given up and their point differential, to me, the 49ers are better than Minnesota, and they have the two seed. So we're dealing with an AFC issue, but we're praying for DeMar Hamlin. Thanks to Bobby who put the show together. Jason Horowitz with the show last night and the show today. I think we've covered it all on this, and now we're just waiting for reports, and you'll hear that next. If you might get a report during Q's show or on the morning tailgate tomorrow, or check me out tonight on SiriusXM. Have a good day, everybody. Appreciate you listening today. Tough show for everybody around the country who loves football and cares, and we hope DeMar Hamlin and we get some good news in the next couple of hours. Have a great day. Yeah.